friends, 8,000 trail miles, one year. This podcast follows Sammy Potter and Jackson Perel on their attempt of the calendar year triple crown of hiking. I'm Zoe Gates, and this is Impossible Odds. Meryl exists to share the simple power of being outside. Hell yeah, love that. No matter who you are, where you came from, who you love or how you move, everyone should be welcome in the outdoors and wherever life takes us. Meryl strives to inspire everyone because together we can help protect the trail that we love. Our goal is to provide thoughtfully designed, rigorously tested outdoor products that over-deliver on performance, versatility, and durability. This is important not just if you're through hiking, but for everyday walking or running as well. At the end of May, Sammy and Jackson finished the Appalachian Trail when they summited Mount Katahdin in Maine. Still left, the Northern Pacific Crest Trail and most of the Continental Divide Trail. Coming off trail after Katahdin, Baxter Peak, finishing the Appalachian Trail was just this release of energy. All the responsibility I've been feeling for making sure these logistics work out perfectly. We're in a good spot. We're in a safe spot. I've just been on guard for really for the past few months. And I live only a couple hours away from Baxter State Park. So uh, with us taking a few days off between finishing the AT and heading back out to the PCT uh, to do the Sierras and Northern California, it made sense for me to go home for a couple days. Here's Sammy's older sister, Ari. When I first saw Sammy in our childhood home after he had finished the AT, I thought, quite honestly, who the heck is this grown-ass man and where did my little brother go? Uh, lucky for me, he insisted on waiting to shower or change out of his trail clothes until after dinner. So I fortunately got to experience my fair share of whiffs of their journey. And as his sister, I'm inclined to make some jokes about the insanity of his beard. But what really sticks out to me the most, truly, was the humbled confidence and the respect that he had cultivated for the trail and the reality that he had two more trails to go. So I've now been home for two-ish days, 48 hours, and uh, I've eaten a lot of good food, cooked some food with my mom and seen a couple of friends and hung out with my sisters, all of whom I missed very much. But I woke up today with just like so much energy. I feel so much energy. And I think it's because I'm, my body is just used to hiking. Like I woke up, I literally woke up on the dot at 5.30, which is the time we've been waking up on the Appalachian Trail. And my body is just, my body is cranked up and like it, it just wants to go. And uh, I'm missing the trail. I'm missing that sense of like, all right, let's get up this mountain. Let's get up this climb. I, I mean, I'm just really starting to feel like antsy, you know, I, I feel like I'm going through withdrawal or something. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, this is really far away, but at the end of this, if I, I, this energy, I, like, I need to put it somewhere. Something you might forget about Sammy and Jackson, they're still college students. The initial plan was to take one quarter away from school and hike from winter of 2021 through the summer. But winter on the AT didn't go quite as expected. And as they become more determined to finish the calendar year Triple Crown, the two come to a conclusion. College 
can wait a little longer. So we are now 100% not going back to school in September. We will go back in January uh, for the second quarter. I actually feel really good about this decision. It was difficult to wrap our minds around at first, essentially being a dropout for the time being. But, uh, you know, I, I keep telling myself that will still be there when we go back. That will still be there. Um, and for now, we've got to keep our heads on, on what we're doing and stay 100% focused on, on this and only this. So I shaved my face right after we finished the Appalachian Trail. This is the longest I have ever gone without shaving before. Five whole months. With summer approaching, I decided it had to go. It'll grow back, of course. But I went to see one of my friends and she literally didn't even recognize me. I think my sister said it best when uh, she said I went from a 35-year-old to a 15-year-old in the matter of 20 minutes. So Jackson brought up to me a few weeks ago that he wanted to do what he calls a solo. I don't think I need to call it that. It doesn't have to be so official with like a name. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, so he brought up a couple weeks ago that he was interested in doing a stretch of trail separately and then meeting up at the end of said section of trail. I had really mixed emotions about this because on the one hand, I think it would be cool to just experience something different, have a sense of solitude and, uh, you know, complete freedom because there is just so much compromise that you have to do in a partnership. And um, it would be it would be cool to, to get the chance to experience what it's like to, to hike alone. But when I thought about it uh, more, I, I realized why I was having some trepidation about it. Um, to me, every decision that we make uh, throughout these nine or ten months should be in the context of giving ourselves the absolute best chance possible of finishing the calendar year Triple Crown, right? Because there's just so many potential obstacles already. Why would we ever do anything, in my opinion, that would create uh, further obstacles? So that was kind of my feeling about doing, you know, going out on our own, doing a quote-unquote solo, is that it would either be net neutral, because we would meet up at the right time, or it could be a net negative, um, because one of us may get like really far ahead of the other one, and then we'd have to wait, which would be a potential waste of time. And also there's the impact of, uh, you know, potentially not being there when somebody else gets injured. So I wasn't into it at first. Um, I expressed that, and uh, we decided not to, but um, Jack brought it up again, and uh, it seemed like something that was super, super important to him um, and could actually, you know, maybe have an impact on our um, overall partnership as well. Um, and one perspective that I did not see at the beginning that uh, that he brought up was that it could actually, you know, strengthen our relationship and our, and our partnership in that it would give both of us a chance to be social with other people, uh, maybe reset a little bit, and then come back together even stronger than before. In addition, um, I eventually realized when, when Jax told me that he felt that um, he needed the freedom to uh, make his own, own decisions and feel secure that he could do uh, these things himself and didn't necessarily need to rely on a partner. 
I think just with the the dynamics that we we've, we've had um, throughout, um, I can sometimes have a, a tendency to um, I guess like maybe take control a little a little bit more than I should, um, just because I'm so incredibly passionate about this and I want to put us in the, the best position always. But um, you know, Jack's kind of expressed and has expressed that. Um, you know, sometimes that can feel a little bit like um, off-putting, or it can feel a little uh, big brotherish is like the word that he used. Um, I remember saying at the beginning of this um, to Jackson when we met up in December that what would make this, what I thought would make this partnership work so well, is that we're both crazy enough to do this on our own. And uh, he told me that he needed to do this to to believe that. I actually really respect that a lot. I really respect that vulnerability and honesty. And uh, yeah, I think in the end it's gonna be it's gonna be good. It's gonna be great. Solo is gonna be good. So we are going solo, and uh, I'm a little bit nervous about it. Um, I don't know why I'm nervous about it. Like safety-wise, I'm gonna be totally fine. Food-wise, I'm gonna be totally fine. Uh, Hiking-wise, I'm going to be fine. Maybe it's just, like, the remoteness of it. Or, I don't know, just, like... This is petty, but, like, just not having someone to talk to, I guess. (laughs) I've spent plenty of time alone in the past. Um, Never gone on, like, an extended hike alone, though. More than, like, you know, 100 miles, and this is going to be almost 200 miles alone. Possibly more if we decide to extend it. Um, although I guess there will be plenty of people around in the Sierra, so have to make some friends, I guess. I'm not, I'm excited. It, it'll be, it'll be fun to to make some friends. Um, hopefully, I can make some friends who are fast, so I can keep up a good pace too. So my gear list going into the Sierras is everything that I normally have, plus a bear canister. And then eight days of food. Yeah. I am carrying eight days of food. There's a couple of ways to resupply through the Sierra Nevada section of the PCT. What most people do is they carry like four or so days of food out of Kennedy Meadows South, which is the the base of the Sierras. Um, And then when they reach a place called uh, Kearsarge Pass, um, they hike east about seven miles off of the trail um, and then hitch into a town called Bishop. Um, and then resupply there, hitch back, and then hike that seven miles back up to the PCT and keep going. But I do not want to do that extra mileage of extra 14 miles plus like a 50-mile hitch. So instead what I'm doing is carrying eight days of food from Kennedy Meadows South all the way to a place called Vermilion Valley Resort where I have shipped another six days of food um, that will get me through the rest of the Sierras I reckon I eat probably about three and a half, four pounds of food per day. Um, maybe a little less if I'm doing a good like calorie to pound of food ratio, but generally around four pounds of food per day. So that's 32 pounds of food in addition to my like 15 pound base weight. And then in addition to like a three pound bear canister. So let's do a little math there. That's like, it's like 50 pounds. A good thing about the Sierras is you're not carrying too much water because there's so many water sources. So um, probably like maximum like one pound of water 
at a time, maybe even less. So I'll just camel it. Um, and yeah, that brings us to about 50 pounds. The views better be amazing. We'll be right back. Not all shoes are created equal. Believe me, having a bad or unsupportive shoe makes a big difference. So when you're heading outdoors, skip the sneaker and step into the Merrill Moab. Moab's a sick place, and uh, these are sick shoes. From crossing trail to crossing town and everywhere in between, you get more traction, more stability, and more comfort. So next time you take a hike, get more out of every single step. Join us outside at Merrill.com. Most of the handful of hikers who have completed a calendar year Triple Crown did it alone. If they make it, Sammy and Jackson will be one of the first pairs to finish, and that partnership is one of the best things about their journey. But that doesn't mean they don't crave some independence now and then. For the start of their second stint on the PCT, Sammy and Jackson decide to split up and go solo for about 200 miles. Here's Sammy. All right, uh, I haven't seen a single other person all day. Um, this happened multiple times on the AT, but I always had Jackson there, and I couldn't really say that I'd never seen anybody else. But it's 6 p.m. now, and I didn't see anybody all day. Um, I am finally at the base of Forrester Pass, about five miles um, from the pass itself, so I'll, I'll hike that. I'm going to try to wake up super early around like 4 a.m. tomorrow morning, um, see if I can catch sunrise um, while I'm hiking up it. And uh, it was just such a unique, peaceful feeling to see nobody else all day. I just saw a bear. Uh, first bear I've seen throughout the Sierras or on the PCT. I think I saw one on the AT, but it was it was just running away, so I barely even saw it. But this was a big bear, Jesus. Um, I had seen in the gut hooks comments uh, crossing this one river that people said there were uh, bears nearby often, but they had seen bears here, so kind of figured it was an area they frequented and maybe would see one. But there's a big difference between uh, thinking you're going to see a bear and actually seeing one. Um, <laughs> Wow, but that thing was not scared of me at all. I'm definitely going to be looking behind me for the rest of the day. And uh, I had my bear spray right on my uh, shoulder here. So I unclipped that and took the safety off and uh, had it uh, had it ready to go. Um, luckily, the bear did not come anywhere near me. It just kind of like inquisitively looked at me and went on with its business. But its business happened to be walking uh on the trail, like literally following the trail for about half a mile. And uh, so I just stayed where I was, watched it walk up there. And uh, eventually when it got up there, it like bounded off into the woods and uh, I kept going. It's all there, check that, check that off the list. Um, I'd be okay with not seeing any more bears for a bit. <laughs> so today I actually made a friend on the uh, PCT. Um, kind of crazy, yeah, hiked with someone for the first time, who wasn't Jackson. It was great to hike with someone new and uh, like learn about somebody and uh, share with them who I am. And yeah, I kind of forgot like, I'm somewhat of an extrovert. So I definitely get a little bit of energy from like socializing. And that's not something I've done like, 
all year. So I'm really enjoying like uh, spending time with uh, strangers who are also hiking and uh, you know kind of understand what it's like to be out here. Okay, I am uh, 25 miles into the Sierra Nevadas and it's already been beautiful. I know it's only gonna get better as we get to the passes. The first pass is Forrester, um, which I'll get to in about two and a half days. But I'm camping by a beautiful lake called Chicken Something. Um, I have to look at my map to see exactly what it's called, but it is spectacular. Um, I haven't put down my pack yet and I did that purposefully because I wanted to try to convey the pain I'm feeling in my shoulders. Uh, I've carried 50 pounds all day today and uh, I tried to stop as little as possible because I realized that as great as it is to take off the pack, it, it makes it even worse when you put it back on, especially like the process of putting it on is just like hell for my shoulders. Uh, so sore. Um, yeah, the only th good thing is I the views here are just so spectacular that um, it's it's distracting me at least up to, up to this point. End of day three. My pack is still so big. Oh my god, it's still even at this point, it's heavier than any pack I've carried previously this year. Um, it's ripping more because of the bear canister. And I'm really worried about the one of the shoulder straps just completely slicing off. I honestly don't know what I would do. Like, I've, I've started to talk to it. Um, for some reason, I, uh, I gave it the name Annalise. I don't know why. I don't know where that comes from. But in my mind, it's like a witch. And it's like an evil witch, like the Wicked Witch of the West. Every time I put it on, it hurts. Every time I take it off, it hurts while taking it off, taking it off. Uh, the only time it doesn't hurt is like 20 minutes in um, to wearing it because I'll like kind of get used to it and then I'll wrap my hat around it a little bit. Annalise, Annalise, you've been terrible to me. About a week into his solo, Sammy's around the halfway mark of the California section of the PCT in the heart of the Sierra Nevada. The wind is rocking my tent back and forth so much that... Like cannot get to sleep. Uh, it's about 9 p.m. Um, 26 miles today. Now, seven, eight days with no shower, laundry, uh, resupply, anything. Just, I'm looking at my hands right now and they're just grimy, just black with grime and uh, sweaty. Everything's kind of wet with condensation. And uh, to top it all off, I'm up at 11, 10,500 feet. And the winds are howling tonight. But luckily we got uh, six miles in tomorrow. And uh, yeah, gonna do all the chores and get some more food. Running pretty low on food. I uh, underestimated this resupply quite a bit. So instead of doing 5,000 calories a day, which is kind of a bare minimum, I'm probably doing like 3,000 
and uh, I ate a little bit too much the first couple days, so it's now more like 2,500, 2,000, and uh, can already feel the hunger pains. All right, the first eight days in the Sierras, the first eight day stretch carrying eight days of food um, are coming to a close, hopefully very soon. I need them to come to a close very soon because I am like 98% out of food. All I have left is a tub of almond butter and I have about half of that left. And uh, I also have a couple of packets of almond butter left. And uh, I also have, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, not hungry right now because I just ate a bunch of other stuff that I was finishing off. But you can kind of tell what the food is that I've been avoiding because I'm so sick of almond butter. God, but I have like 20 miles to go to get to VVR, Vermilion Valley Resort, which is where my mom sent me a resupply package that we put together before this trek uh, with all sorts of food. And uh, God, I'm just dreaming about ice cream right now. Like, I don't know if you've ever had this before. Who am I talking? I'm talking to a phone. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, where I'm from in Portland, Maine, we have these things called Sea Dogs Biscuits, and uh, they're just the most wonderful things in the world. It's like cookies with ice cream, and you get them at Sea Dogs games. Sea Dogs is like a minor league baseball team. And uh, I woke up last night, and I was just dreaming of uh, a Sea Dogs Biscuit. Goddamn. Um, they better have ice cream at this freaking outpost where I'm getting a resupplied box. But I've got about 20 miles to get there, and it's about 6 p.m. So I'm thinking of just fucking sending it through the night and uh, getting at like 2, 3 a.m. or something so I don't have to wake up and hike on an empty stomach. On the other hand, I'm very tired. <laughs> okay, so I have now run out of food. My plan of attempting to hike through the night to get to VVR at like 2 or 3 a.m. was crushed when I ran into a, a buddy and uh, got to talking to him and realized after a bit that an hour had gone by and uh, I was even more tired and it was pitch black. Uh, so I set up my camp, hung out with him. I ate the rest of my almond butter, which is the only food I have left. Uh, I think I had like 14 ounces left or something, and I ate all of it within like 10 minutes, even though I'm very sick of almond butter. It tasted good yesterday, but I still have about 10 miles to make it into VBR. Luckily, it's mostly downhill. I think Jackson is behind me, but I'm not 100%, but we're going to check in at VBR and, uh, before we continue going back out on our solos, as he calls them. Uh, singing songs, just trying to occupy my mind with anything but food right now. I don't want to stop talking because I feel like if I stop talking, I'm just going to start thinking about food. But I'm also thinking about food while I'm talking, so it doesn't even matter. After 20 days apart, Sammy and Jackson reunite, having enjoyed some alone time but eager to resume their partnership.
Together, they begin their push into Northern California. Here's Jackson. Once we reached Northern California, we thought that we had more or less avoided the major fires uh, up until that point. Um, but, you know, it only takes one rogue fire, right? And Sammy and I we were walking separately. Sammy was about a mile, mile and a half ahead of me. And I come across this crowd of people at the trailhead. And so out of pure curiosity, I, I ended up going over to them. And they told me that their camp had just been evacuated because of a forest fire that was threatening the trail. And my follow-up question was to ask if they had seen someone pass through. And they said they had. Um, and I knew that was Sammy. And so at that point, I started to freak out. I would let no one determine my fate but myself. I would let no one determine my fate but myself. And that's on fire. Thank you to my partner in crime, Jackson Terrell, for everything. God, there's so much I want to say. And I'm going to get to say it. I will get to the strip. I'd rather pass out from exhaustion and let this catch me. The fire marshal ended up coming back down. They said that they couldn't find them. And the next 20 minutes were some of the longest 20 minutes I think I've spent out here on trail. Let's go, baby. I don't even want to say this, but I love my family so much. Nothing that I love more in this world than my family and my home. I would do anything for them. There's so much more I need to do. So many more people I need to love. So much more I can do for my family and my home. So you guys, please let me survive this. And I think it was one of the worst feelings in the world to be sitting there and know that there was really nothing you could do. I'm gonna get through this, baby. I will get through this. I will get to the trailer. I will survive this challenge. But sure enough, Sammy shows up at the trailhead, sweating bullets, panting. He'd run all the way down from the top of a mountain, seen that wall of smoke turned around and ran. And, you know, I couldn't have been more relieved. next time on impossible odds all right i want to mentally go over um info about grizzlies to just prepare for the worst so you should make a lot of noise while hiking speak in low and calm voice keep eyes averted back away slowly get bear spray ready done all those things This podcast was written and hosted by Sammy Potter with contributions from Jackson Perel. Our producers are Louisa Albanese and me, Zoe Gates. Wooly Music is our composer and sound designer, and Tim Massa is our assistant story editor. If you enjoyed this episode of Impossible Odds, 
please subscribe and leave us a review.